Action Network podcast. It's time! Welcome into the Action Network podcast, everybody. It is Friday, June 24th, and this is your UFC betting preview it is a great main event that we're going to touch on we have a lot to get to main event favorite underdog plays the fight of the night from our two analysts coming up favorite props a dfs outlook and also best bets billy ward former mma fighter he is our mma analyst at the action network also sean zarillo one of our senior writers also does a great job following you uh mma so we uh we're looking forward to a great fight uh, in Vegas this weekend. The main event is highlighted by Arman Zarukian taking on Mateus Gamrot. Uh, Billy, you have a play on the main event for us here to get us started? The biggest thing that I'm interested in is this one to end inside the distance. It's more or less a toss-up. I'm looking at minus 120 now. But both guys have finishing ability wherever this fight goes. You know, we can see them getting finishes on the ground. They both have really strong wrestling backgrounds. But they both throw a lot of strikes and are doing that at a fairly high level as well. But the biggest thing is just we haven't seen either of them go five rounds in the UFC. And I don't know how often we see main events where it's the first five-round fight for both fighters. And I just think the chances of one, if not both of them, kind of running out of steam late in the fight is is higher than the markets are giving it credit for. And, you know, to that end, if I was going to bet a side, I think I'd go Saryukin in the distant, inside the distance. I know Sean's on the opposite side of that. That's not a real strong take for me. So if anyone's tailing, I'd highly suggest we listen to Sean's take on that before we pick a side. But I really do like inside the distance. 25 minutes is just a long time for these guys. We haven't seen them do it a lot. And if they're going to wrestle at the pace they normally do, that's really, really taxing. And somebody could run out of gas here. You know, there's a reason wrestling matches in the Olympics are six or seven minutes and boxing matches go 35, 36, because, you know, wrestling just takes a lot more out of you. So if these guys are going to do that, I don't see how they make it all 25. Zarello, what's your angle on this uh, lightweight fight? Yeah. So Sarukian, this is his first round fight, but Gamrot is a KSW veteran, former champion. And he actually has been five rounds on multiple occasions over in KSW and has proven that he's actually better in 25-minute fights as opposed to 15-minute fights. He tends to build as the fight goes. A little bit of a slower starter. His one career loss came in the UFC by split decision against my favorite bet for last week, Aram Kutatalads. And it was a close fight because he is a bit of a slow starter. And he was used to coming off of five-round fights from that Polish promotion and didn't necessarily have the tempo that he needed for the 15-minute fight early on in that fight. So... Like Billy said, this should be a very high-paced fight. Tons of wrestling, scrambles, grappling. When they're on the feet, they should be throwing strikes at high volume. And I think it's going to be very close and competitive. You know, this line is actually kind of crazy to me, given the skill discrepancy between the two guys. I don't disagree with Sarukian being favored. He had a phenomenally close fight with Islam Makachev that I'm sure they will rematch down the line. And I view both of these guys as future title contenders, if not future champions. So I, this may be the first of two or even three fights that we see between these two. I expect them to rematch for a belt somewhere down the line. The skills are very close, skill for skill. Both fantastic wrestlers. I might even make Gamrat the better striker, but Sarukian has been in there with Makachev, which is why I think people view him as a more significant favorite because they haven't seen Gamrot maybe against this high-level competition. But Gamrot has the better UFC wins, in my opinion. 
Sarukin has finishes of late on his record. I don't necessarily see him as a big finisher, though. And Gamrot has proven extremely durable, very difficult to put away. I said his one blemish is a loss by split decision. If this goes five rounds, Sarukian's going to be the one who's in deep waters for the first time. So the, the late rounds may actually be to Gamrot's benefit. That said, Sarukian doesn't really strike me as a guy who's going to struggle to get the cardio for the full 25 minutes. He is a big guy. He tends to muscle a lot of his techniques. But I think this is going to be a highly, highly competitive fight for 25 minutes unless one of them finishes it first. So Gamrod at plus 240 is the money line side for me. I ended up playing him on the money line just because I think the odds should be closer probably to plus 150, maybe 40% at worst. And I actually did bet the fight to go to a decision as well, which seems crazy given the pace that we expect. And I might be wrong on that one. But if it does go the full 25 and Sarukian sees his hand raised, I want to basically have a hedge off of my Gamrot position. So at worst, I'm hoping for a push here and a Sarukian decision, but I think Gamrot is certainly the money line side at plus 240. Okay. And speaking of underdogs and, and Sean maps out, he does this with every sport, you know, he's, he's all about price. And, and that's, that's, a, that's an important angle that he mentions there. It's not just about the actual fighter, but he, he just feels the price uh, jumps out. So Sean, we'll, we'll keep it with you. And we move to favorite underdogs. Um, You've got a plus money prop you want to weigh in on. Yeah, Gamera is my favorite underdog on the card. And I have some fighters who I picked around coin flip prices, you know, pick them prices. But I'm going to go ahead and give out a plus money prop here on Tiago Moises by decision at plus 240. It's still around plus 200 out there. I projected this line at plus 140. So roughly a 7 to 10% edge, depending on the number where you're betting it. He should take over rounds two and three of this fight against Christos Giagos at a pretty high clip. Giagos has about five to seven minutes of cardio in him. He's a good wrestler, but by wrestling, he tends to tire himself out rather quickly. Moises fights at a lower pace, doesn't throw a ton of strikes, which is always the concern because he's not really going to put a stamp on his fights or pull away to a drastic degree. But it's a bad matchup for Giagos, in my opinion, because Moises is a very good grappler. Grappling is his primary skill. I view him as the better striker, too even though he doesn't put out a ton, ton of volume. But grappling is his primary skill. You saw Islam Makachev struggle to get to dominant positions against him. Took him four rounds to finish him, which is longer than it's taken Makachev to get to dominant positions against a lot of fighters. So see this going to decision at a high clip. Like Moises is a live bet after round one. Don't love his pre-fight money line price at around minus 240. But live after round one, you should be able to get a better price. And then rounds two and three, he should win at a much higher clip than he wins around one. So Moises by decision plus 240. You could also take a look at the fight to go to a decision at around a pick and price. Shop those lines as we encourage uh, across the books to get uh, a good underdog price. Billy, where did you land? Speaking of line shopping, this is a really good example of one where we, we've seen a lot of movement on this one. And I'm looking at Vanessa Demopoulos. She was about 230 plus 240 earlier in the week and is down to plus 195 now. Just for anyone who's betting these, I've noticed a trend where FanDuel seems to be a little bit slower to move the lines on that when you see other things. So, you know, if you're coming in late to some of these markets, that would be my first look, but definitely, you know, shop where you can get it the best number. But yeah, this is uh Demopolis's third UFC fight. She's one and one. She's fighting Jin Yu Frey, who's two and two, you know, very similar, which is why her being such a big underdog doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Neither of them have particularly impressive resumes. It's, you know, truthfully, one of the lower level fights you're going to see. And I get that Frey is coming off two wins, but the two people she fought, beat are now eight and eight as a professional and six and five as a professional they're not great wins 
Frey is the only person to lose the UFC fight to Kay Hansen, in which she got submitted. And Demopoulos is the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. So I think the case for Frey is that Demopoulos is going to have a hard time getting it to the ground. But once she does, she's just a significantly better grappler. Demopoulos is also younger, and she wasn't even a full-time fighter until her last training camp. So if we're looking at who can be getting better at this point in her career, a 33-year-old who just started fighting full-time or a 37-year-old who's probably in the twilight of her career, I just see a lot more progression on the Vanessa Demopoulos side. And I'd bet her down to about plus 175. It's gotten away from us a little bit here, but I still think she's a really good value at 195. So I just want to comment real quick. I actually like Demopoulos's finish props or inside the distance prop is plus 600 and her submission prop is plus 800. I think a submission is a very high percentage of her win probability. The market's telling you it's around 40%. I would say it's closer to 50 or 60% of her probability. So Demopolis inside the distance, those juicy props is where I put my money. Small allocation, but I think a lot of potential payoff. Let's go to the fight of the night. Curtis Vieira is the uh, is the fight that we're going to focus on here in terms of the fight of the night. Um, it's close. I mean, look, it's a great card. Uh, six fights on the main card. Again, you can find all these on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, very close uh, as of right now on the money line. Uh, Curtis, the favorite at minus 130. Billy, what is your angle on uh, this fight? Yeah, this is a tricky one. I mean, first of all, it had to be fight of the night when we have Chris, the action man, Curtis, on the Action Network podcast. That was just a no-brainer. But, uh, you know, what I was really looking at before the lines came out is Vieira by submission. But the best you can get that is about plus 180. And it's inside the distance line is plus 170 at the highest point. So there's no reason to not take, you know, that little bit of extra equity on him winning it with strikes on the ground. But, you know, we're seeing this fight as a huge favorite to get stopped inside the distance, minus 750 or so. There's been a little bit of line movement in Vieira's way. But I, I do think he's the better fighter at this point in his career. I love Chris Curtis. I've met him a couple times, like really good guy. I think he's a bit overrated just based on picking up a couple quick knockouts in his UFC debut. Where Vieira is just such a high-level grappler, where if he gets a hold of him at all, I think he's going to dominate on the ground. And I wouldn't be shocked to see Vieira just pull guard if he really needs to to turn this into a grappling match. You know, neither guy has great cardio, so if you're going to bet either side of it, I don't know why you don't just take the inside-the-distance line. You know, the, the odds of it going to a decision are just silly at this point. So with me being on Vieira, I'll take the plus 170 instead of betting his money line at 110 or 115 or wherever it's at. Sean Zarillo, uh are you excited about Chris Curtis being involved in a fight of the night? I love Chris Curtis. Chris Curtis is a cool dude and he has a great story. He's fought twice in one night after an opponent dropped out. Uh, he was, he has a story about eating chicken and waffles after the first loss. And they, they came to him and said, we need you to fight again. Cause the opponent for the main event dropped out and he's like, all right. And he, he never got to finish that meal. So he's still looking for that chicken and waffle meal. If anybody can figure it out, I believe it was at the Mohegan sun. Brennan, I know you've been there a few times, so maybe you could help out Chris Curtis figure out that that delicious meal that he was looking forward to eating that he never got to. But Johnny Rockets, maybe. Yeah, it's very possible. Uh, I think Rodolfo Vieira should be the pre-fight favorite. I actually think this line should probably be flipped because I see him winning round one at a fairly high clip. Rodolfo does not have a good gas tank, but he is one of the best submission grapplers in the world, not just an MMA in the world. Multiple time ADCC winner at multiple weight classes. Curtis has been put in dominant positions in the past that his PFL fights was mounted. So I could definitely see Hidalfo getting a quick submission here, winning in round one. Maybe his round one props are worth a look considering the gas tank isn't great. But once Vieira gets extended a little bit, he falls off of a cliff with his cardio. He's a huge dude, definitely cuts a lot. 
to get down to 185, whereas Curtis used to be a former welterweight and doesn't cut anything to fight at 185. So Vieira should be the stronger guy, should be the bigger guy. And can Curtis stop the takedowns? That's that's probably what can is what is going to determine this fight. If he can stop the takedowns, keep the fight on the feet, keep it at range, I'll probably either find a knockout or win a decision at a pretty high clip. I'm curious who, if I told Billy if this fight was going to a decision, if you could bet decision only props, who he would make the favorite, because I think Curtis would be probably 70, 75% to win a decision if this goes the full 15 minutes. If Vieira is getting to the type of positions he needs to, where he's going to win the fight, he's probably going to finish it by submission. But if this extends, if this goes the full 15 minutes, I think Curtis is a very likely winner on the scorecards, especially in rounds two and round three. So I actually do think this line to go to a decision has gotten out of hand. Like Billy said, the odds say it should be about 16 to 17%. I would make it closer to 20%. So plus 400 to go to a decision, or it, it, it's telling you that it's, uh, I'm telling you that it's plus 400 to go to a decision. The market is giving you as plus as high as plus 500. So I bet the fight to go to a decision of plus 500, just a quarter unit. And then Chris Curtis to win by a decision at 10 to one, I think is an insane price. I would make that number probably closer to plus 500. Billy, if I was just telling you this was going to a decision, would, would you put Curtis around 70%? Where, where would you like set the percentage? I don't think that high. I just think Vieira could do enough in the early rounds, especially in the smaller cage. I don't know how well Curtis is going to be able to keep the range. So is it possible that he you know dominates round one, round two is close? I could see that. I could see Vieira getting on top early in round two. So I'd probably put it 60-ish percent if I had to say, knowing that it goes to a decision, what it would be for Curtis. But, you know, we can also think that maybe at this point, four or five UFC fights in, has Vieira worked on his cardio? Has he made it a little bit better? Has he, you know, rethought his game plan? You'd certainly hope so. I, I don't want to bet on that by any stretch, but you'd certainly hope at this point in his career he's starting to figure those things out a little bit better. Yeah, he looked a little bit more calculated in his last fight and pulled off a round three submission, which actually surprised me and, and definitely showed that he was managing his gas tank a little bit better. But I would probably still look at a Curtis Liebet after round one, just given his penchants for you know coming back late in fights. But yeah, I think I think from a pre-fight perspective, Vera should probably be the favorite. Okay, looking forward to it. That is uh, slated for later in the night on Saturday, so that should be fun. Let's go now to the the prop market. When we we look around, uh, Billy, where did you land on in the prop market? Yeah, I'm looking at Carlos Olberg versus uh, Tafon Nunchukwe to go to a decision at plus one fifty two, and a little bit of a sprinkle on Nunchukwe to win that decision. But you know, we've seen both guys get knocked out in recent fights. But Olberg in particular was just extremely cautious his last time around. I think if he's going to fight like that, it's just going to be like a, you know, real gentle, we're just trying to touch each other up, jab and straight match. These are both guys with real long reaches, and Olberg usually has the advantage in most of his fights, but it's even against Nunchukwi here. I also think Nunchukwi has all of the grappling upside. I don't think he has much, but I think he has all of it. So if he gets hurt, he's probably likely, especially in this small cage, to grab a hold of Olberg, shove him against the fence, kind of wall and stall. So just given the you know the lack of knockdowns we've seen out of these guys, Tafon has one in four UFC fights. Olberg hasn't picked up any. I know he's a high-level kickboxer. I just think with the little gloves and everything that's going on, he's going to play it a little cautious. And if he is able to hurt Tafon, Tafon will probably grab on and slow this fight down. So getting that at plus 152 seems like a really good line to me. So we talked about the main event where I see two future title challengers or champions, Mateus Gamrot and Armin Sarukian. And then in the prelims and the undercard, I see two potential future champions in Shavkat Rachmanov at welterweight 
and Umar Nurmagomedov at bantamweight. I think these guys are both tremendous. Shavkat, 100% finish rate in his career, 15 for 15. His odds to win inside the distance are minus 135. I made that line closer to minus 170. And then Nurmagomedov, his odds to win inside the distance are minus 140. I made that line closer to minus 190. Nate S doesn't really like to grapple. And Umar will definitely force the grappling. Neil Magny, a very established welterweight, tend to bet him, especially at underdog prices. And this line has maybe gotten a little bit crazy. But both of these lines are a little bit crazy. And if either guy is going to pay off their price, they're going to have to finish the fight in order to do it. So Shavkat and Umar both win inside the distance at minus 135 and minus 140, respectively. Compared to my projected odds, I think they're both valuable. Move on to the DFS side of things. Um, again, there's a, a lot to choose from. You got the six fights on the main card, of course, but there, there's more to it than that when you look at the DFS side of things. Uh, looking at the DraftKings contest right now, uh, Billy, and this is Billy's wheelhouse, as we uh, tend to say here, uh, and then Sean kind of weighs in afterwards. But what kind of, when it comes to cash games or GPPs, is there anything that's, uh, that, that's in alignment on, on both fronts in terms of how you might want to go constructing a lineup? Yeah, I mean, Sean teed me up perfectly here with his prop bets because both Umar and Shavkat, they're the two most expensive fighters at 95 and 9,300. But, man, they're really strong in any kind of contest types. Like, the lines have gotten so far, it's really hard to see either of them losing. So there's a lot of cash game safety. You know, Sean just said he likes both of their inside the distance props, even though those are both at minus odds. So those are going to be really hard to avoid in DFS. I think a lot of people are probably going to try to pick between the two of them in many of their lineups, so you're going to be a little bit unique just jamming both of them in there, especially if you also have Sarakian, who's pretty expensive. But obviously that means we got to find savings somewhere else. So, you know, we've mentioned Hidalfo Vieira. He's 7,600. I like him as a salary saver just because so much of his win condition is stoppage, and so much of that is stoppage early. And, you know, Gamrot, Sean mentioned him as an underdog that he likes. I think Gamrot could end up in the optimal lineup even without winning the fight. We've seen it a couple times in – in five round fights, especially with the kind of activity level these guys will have. And there's only 12 fights on the card, which raises the odds of doing that. I believe it was uh, the Cheeto Vera fight against Rob Font, where they both ended up in the optimal on an 11 fight card. So I think that's probably a good way to get unique on this card is play both those guys in GPPs. And then, you know, the other cheap fighter I'm looking at is Vanessa Demopoulos. She's kind of like that Sean Zarillo spot where she's very unlikely to get finished. So even in a bad bad loss she could still put up enough points to not totally tank a cash game lineup and given her grappling and finishing upside she's not a bad gp play gpp play either probably going to be pretty easy for me to build dfs lineups this week probably going to build everything around umar and shavkat and then gamrot and demopolis on the lower end that leaves me with around 8500 8600 on average for those final two spots so i could play around with my pick em prices my best bet that we'll get to in a minute is sitting in that 8500 range so from there, I have a lot of money to work with building around those four fighters. Okay, good stuff. Billy, as always, we appreciate it. That's uh, It's always helpful, too, because when we get folks listening to the pod, you might not be in a sports gambling legal state, so folks can get in on DFS and then get their, get their fix that way. Let's go to best bets uh, for this UFC fight night. It's in Vegas uh, this weekend. Billy, we'll start with you, then we go to Zarilla. Best bets for the weekend. Yeah, I'm looking on the prelims where we've got Cody Durden fighting JP Bias. This line's moved a little bit, but you can still get Durden at even money over at MGM, at least at the time of recording. And honestly, this is more of a bet of just not thinking JP Bias is that good. You know, he's been 0-2 in the UFC. He got knocked out, lost a not all that close decision to Montel Jackson. Durden hasn't been great either. This is a fairly low-level fight 
you know, by flyweight standards. But at least he's picked up a win over Aori Key Lang, who, who's looked fairly decent elsewhere. And, you know, he lost a decision. or I believe it was a draw. Sean, I don't know if you know about Chris Gutierrez versus Durden. Tapology has it as a draw, but I don't know if that was an overturned or a original draw. But regardless, had a close fight with Chris Gutierrez, who's been really good since. You got it, Sean? Yeah, it was a draw. Okay. So, I mean, that looks really good in retrospect. Losing by flying triangle choke is kind of fluky. I'm not going to hold that against him too much. And then he was sacrificed to Mohamed Mokaev when they went over to London the last time. I think Durden might be a lot better than his resume suggests. And until we see JP Buys win a fight in the UFC, if I can get plus money on his opponent, I'm going to keep riding that out. Okay, Zarello, take us home. What do you got for a best bet for uh, the weekend in Vegas? Yeah, Durden got a 10-8 round one, uh, mostly with back control, and then lost the final two rounds there. That's how that ended up a draw. We haven't seen a draw in the while, by the way, in the UFC. My favorite bet, Sergey Murzov, minus 145 against Hallian Paiva. Paiva is a bit overrated considering his win over Kyler Phillips probably should have been scored a draw. That should have been a 10-8 round one for Phillips. He, Paiva was almost dead like three times. And Murzov was minus 230 in his last fight against Douglas Silva de Andrade. DSDA would put Hallie and Paiva in a body bag. So Morozov going from a minus 230 favorite against a established UFC veteran who is way more skilled to Paiva, who got in off a contender series, had as a bit of a wonky UFC run, extremely hittable, easy to take down. I think this is a much easier fight for Morozov than his last fight was. He was winning that last fight too against Douglas De Silva. And Instead of deciding to continually grapple, he got in a brawl and got caught and got hurt and lost the fight. If he comes out and just decides to wrestle Paiva here for three rounds, he may look like a minus 900 favorite. I don't know if Paiva is going to be able to keep him off of him. He's an excellent wrestler, should be able to maintain top position, if not get a submission. Paiva tends to give up his back too, so I can see him getting choked out. But even if they're striking, Morozov is the better striker. More durable, even though he's knocked out in his last fight. So was Paiva against Sean O'Malley. Paiva is just extremely hittable, a big defensive liability. And then on top of that, he is very limited takedown defense. So I technically projected this line at minus 166. I think there's plenty of value at minus 145. But seeing this fight play out, particularly if Morozov tries to grapple, like I said, he may look like a 90% favorite by the end of it. Okay, gents. Very good. Appreciate the uh, the insight. And of course, you want to follow both Zarillo and Billy on uh, on the Action Network app where you can get analysis and also their data, um, the picks that they log in the app that get you set for UFC fight night. Zarukian v. Gamrod. That is the main event. And then some good stuff on, their, uh, on the fight of the night with uh, our, our man, Chris Curtis. That is going to conclude uh, today's episode. This is UFC fight night betting preview on the Action Network podcast for Billy Ward, Sean Zarillo, Brendan Glasheen. We will join you again next week. We're here every Friday when there is a fight on uh, a fight night on Saturday to get ready for. Enjoy the action in Vegas and uh, best of luck. We'll join you next time.